Hello everyone and welcome to the seventh episode of the Event Tech Talk Show. Before we get started, two important pieces of information. Um, first of all, registration for Event Tech Live US and Canada is now open and you can register at eventtechlive.com or by hand, actually scanning this handy QR code, if I get the right, uh, the right corner in the top right corner, and that'll take you straight to the registration page. Um, secondly, entries for this year's Event Technology Awards are also open and information about the categories is available at eventtechnologyawards.co.uk. If you missed episode six, um, which was actually recorded late last week, um, me and Katie Mohen of 5283 recently discussed the LinkedIn report that suggests that by 45% um, of all B2B events would be virtual, uh, which is quite a polarizing um, kind of comment. And that's quite a lot of events. So go and check that out. We dissect that report. We question it in some areas and we agree and disagree with it in some areas. So go and check that out. It's available on YouTube and also all the major podcasting um, networks like Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. And in fact, we've actually set a URL up for it. So you can just go to eventtechtalks.com. So on today's episode, my guest is Sam Allen, professional MC, virtual event host, moderator and meeting designer. Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much for having me. I feel totally weird being on this side of the screen rather than on your side of the screen. Yeah, this is this is your job, right? So, like, we can we can do we can switch. We can you can interview. <laughs> Hashtag me if you want. out of my comfort zone right now. Yeah, sorry <laughs> if I ask Adam more questions than you guys ask me. Sam, in in this episode, we're going to be talking, um, I guess, and touching upon the importance of actually having somebody professionally in place to help manage, moderate, and host your event. But this wasn't where you started out in the events industry, right? Like, this is not something you've done for, um, you've done it kind of as part of your event industry kind of history, career, I guess. But for the, for anybody that's watching, can you give people a little overview of kind of how you got started yeah. and what brought you to where you are today? I think that um, we probably have done some stuff in the murky, distant past. Um, hi everyone, thanks for joining us. It's really exciting to be here. And as I said, yeah, a bit, bit out of my comfort zone, but that's a good thing, right? So I have been in the event industry for at least 2001, so 20 years now. Um, I started off actually organizing events. I was an event planner over in Asia. And then people will know me, I would imagine a lot of people who are joining us today will know me from my sales uh, positions um, in beautiful venues like the Barbican, Twickenham Stadium, and then later on in my career at the SECC. Um, I was quite involved in MPI as one of the associations, the industry associations, so was a president of the UK and Ireland chapter for a couple of years. So yeah, I did a lot of these hosting of roundtable debates and panel discussions in the industry, having no idea this was a career. I knew speakers did a bit of, you know, the intro stuff, but didn't actually know that this was a profession. In 2015, I actually did a, a, a they called it a master's in moderation. So I actually took on a training course to, to learn how to become a moderator. Still not really thinking it was a thing. I went off and set up a business consultancy. Some people remember Sequoia Partnership, yep. Sequoia Venue Solutions. And, you know, life changes, difficult things happen. And the path was basically pointing me and pushing me towards becoming an MC. I was asked by a big pharmaceutical company to come and host an event in Basel in 2019. And I said, uh, I, what's the event on? And they said, small cell lung cancer. I said, well, I know nothing about that. So therefore I cannot moderate this. They said, Sam, you know about how to get people engaged and get the best out of content. I said, yeah, but I don't, I, I do that in the event industry. I can't possibly do it. So they kept on pushing and then they said they'd pay me. That was a that was a sway. That was a sway at that point. I have never been more nervous in my life um, because I really had that imposter syndrome. You know, what was this as a job? Um, lots of things were went wrong. A lot of things went right. They've become a regular client and I got the biggest buzz out of any job I've ever done. So, yeah, back end of 2019, set up samallen.com. And uh, the rest is history, they say. Okay. 
congratulations, it's only taken you that long to go from doing something for free to making money from it. No, <laughs> interestingly, I think on that point, because many people do this, you know, many people host, many people moderate, some it gets thrust upon them others maybe put themselves forward probably like me and you you know we want to help out we want to get involved what can I do and and you probably do it for your own industry because you're comfortable right you're comfortable with any of the topics that come up but what was your what was your reasoning back before all of that in past and previous kind of roles for hosting and moderating events I think I think there was a passion of getting um of getting the best out of an event for participants. People will know me. I've been harping on about this for years. I am a meeting designer. I have taken, you know, my CED. Uh, I've yet to just get my little rubber stamp, but I, I took that. I also, this year, or last year, 20th of April last year, I did my online event design course. So I'm a meeting design geek. Participation engagement. When we're spending this much money and this much time, and not just us as organisers, but us in terms of participants, we really need to make sure that we're getting the best out of all the people that we're working with. And yes, we see um, various people deciding to take the role on as a host, but we are taking that away from the roles and the responsibilities that they have for that conference and the objectives it's going to have. Doing this job and having seen the side of challenges in it, and before uh, Sam Allen and Associates was born, I think for me, that real role of that host is to be able to connect the content with the participant in the most effective way. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really interesting you make that point. And, and that's been my experience that you go to many events and probably nine times out of 10, the wrong person is on stage hosting and moderating. They might be the CEO. They might be the sales director. They're probably somebody that's got an element of confidence within that organization or that 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 network of people. Yeah. And they're encouraged or or coerced into taking that role because they have some level of confidence rather than it being their job. But that ultimately takes them away from what they were probably there at the event to do in the first place, which is maybe network with customers or deal with staff or or do other elements of things. Do you think that's a trap that many kind of corporate and stuff they just go that's the person in charge so we're going to put them on stage and that's got to be their job I think there's a couple of things I don't I'm I'm not going to say to our our friends and our colleagues watching today you must hire a host like uh, Sam Allen or or any of the team that we've got but you've got to look at what actually that role is of the host now, I think there can often be, and I've had uh, experience of this, where stakeholders within the organisation, senior leaders, are a little bit worried that it's, you know, the host is going to be the person that is the front, you know, well, you're not our organisation, you're not the face of the organisation. No, I am, or our host will be, that's the job, and the preparation and planning that we do, we become part of your family, part of your organisation. But our job is to make those leaders those those senior, those important stakeholders in your conference look and feel comfortable and be able to do the best job that they are, which is the forward-facing piece. So, you know, a good way to describe it is if, if we if we go back, and I know we'll probably talk about broadcasting, but think about TV, yeah. you know, Graham Norton doesn't introduce himself. He has someone. So you don't know who that is. You, you hear the voice of God or whatever it might be or... You know, Anton Deck, you know, we all know here in the UK, I know we've got a lot of different people. Google it if you're not uh, if you're not from the U uh, UK, you can Google Anton Deck. I use them a lot in terms of broadcasting. Um, we as hosts and absolutely by choosing the right hosts are there to make the best of your your leaders, not certainly not take the shine away. We we always say the, the best job that we can do is if somebody actually doesn't even know our name. You know, mm. my job is so that it's so seam seamless in, in an in-person event for, for the government, actually. I had somebody, the lady in the red jacket knows everything. That's that's right. But that's all you need to know is the lady in the red jacket or the lady in the, with the pink lipstick. And she knows how to put all this together. So our role is to help elevate and make sure that your people shine. And that's that's simply, that's our, our reason for being. There we go. You, you mentioned one thing that is an industry term, and I just want to make sure that we cover off those industry terms for anybody that's watching this that might not be did I use an acronym did I say no, no, something no, no, no. oh good no not at all but it was one of those things that the only voice of God that I ever knew about was that little voice in the back of my head that made me have the fear of God 
voice of God. Let's just explain for anybody that comes across this that doesn't know what that actually means. Could you explain what a voice of God is? And I was with those people when I went to that first pharmaceutical conference. They said, are we okay if we do some voice of God with you? And I thought, well, I thought we were at a pharmaceutical conference, not a religious gathering. So, you know, it was very easy. The voice of God is the voice you hear when you hear. Ladies and gentlemen, you have two minutes. Please find your seats. Please take your seats. We will be starting the show in 60 seconds. And you hear that voice. And I'm not sure whether it's, you know, there's any other term other than voice of God. I'm sure there is. I'm sure people can tell us in the chat, but uh, that's what a voice of God is. And again, you know, if you've got a good host, we can do all of that for you. Yeah, absolutely. James Dixon, who works with us on the Event Technology Awards and all that kind of stuff, he stood behind stage. And that's really important that you have that person in place because they're kind of taking coordination for maybe show callers, other people. Maybe there's a delay on something. Maybe the AVT needs something. And having somebody in place like you or James is really important to relay that information in real time to the audience and make those changes. I think what you've just said as well about the show caller, the AV team, you've just hit the nail on the head in terms of why you need someone who does this day in, day out. Mm -hmm. Because there are a huge number of of moving parts in in the role of of a big or a small congress conference. So, you know, if you're going to throw your MD who's experienced it leading your business and you start saying, right, you need to be listening to the show caller in your ear. You've got AV doing this. There's, and this is in person. And I know we're talking more on the virtual world, which is actually much, much more complex. But even in in-person, when people say, well, it's OK, he can hold the mic. It's not just about holding the mic. You're taking direction. You're hearing the show. You're not seeing what's happening, happening next. You want to be telling people what's happening next. Keep the energy going. Understand what's happening when there's a speaker not arriving on stage or hasn't been mic'd up, whatever it might be. So it is remembering that all those stakeholders uh, nicely said. Yeah, it's it's a pure multitasker's role, isn't it, really? Like, you've got to remember so much and be able to absorb so much information in the moment and kind of piece that together in the puzzle of, right, this is how this all fits together now. And most people just throw that information at a, at a host. Um, they don't kind of relate, this is how we'd like. They just go, this needs to be done figure it out with the rest of the stuff that's really hard unless you have that experience in that professional environment to be able to do that it it can only come through experience right well that's at least my impression of it um before we go on to my next question and we will we will dig really into virtual because i think there's some major differences between emceeing and hosting virtually and and in Mm -hmm. person Mm -hmm. we have somebody here and i wonder if if you agree with this so the dopamine hit is pretty motivating too, right? I think that's jfloyd.co. So. Hey, Joe. I am so pleased that you're here. I met, I know Joe through a virtual, we're, we're virtual buddies from connecting at a conference last year. And oh, actually, yeah. you know, now um, he was a participant and we've been, uh, we've been connected and I hope I can call you a buddy, Joe. The dopamine, um, the dopamine hit is is incredible. The low also. So if you are looking to to join this wonderful profession and become an MC, you know you do get the highs. But I tell you what, and I think Joe will also agree, you get the lows. You know, always make sure you've booked some time. I mean, I know how important, Adam. You 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 and your organisation are uh, talking about event well-being and and mental health. When you have given this huge physical as well as mental um, three days, two days, four hours or whatever it might be, it's really intense. And yes, that high is there. And that's been a bit tough. Uh, That's a a downside of virtual when you're on your own. If you're in a studio, it's great because that's that's the sort of, you know, the next normal. But on your own, having that dopamine high, you've got to go and high five the cat or the dog. But also, you got to make a bit of space to to give yourself that little doubt, that come down. I cry after every conference. Oh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you that the from a physical event, the train the train ride home for me after Event Tech Live is the hardest train ride ever. And it's not because anything went wrong. It's just you you emotionally and physically exhausted, and then you're on your own. Well, I am yeah. anyway. Um, so that it's it's important that we talk about that stuff because it's that you you know many people do have that especially if they're in the event they have that big drop off don't they they have that big crash because you're just running on adrenaline and that's that whole thing virtually is you know how can we as organisers you know we're all there and it's it's all of those stakeholders whether it's your production team they may or may not be together the event organiser the show caller uh, your host 
you know, what what do you do as a sort of as a bringing everybody together? A, a couple of times with conferences I've hosted, we've sort of ended the the event and. I mean, literally, that's it. There's not mm. been a sort of virtual high five or a just, you know, how did that go? And, you know, as Joe alluded to, we are dopamine addicts, so we kind of need to have something to bring us down. But, yeah, make sure I think it's it's a super mentally intense uh, job, and especially for some, something like Event Tech Live as well. When you've you've been in this team and for hosts who do this, you know, with, you know it's like the A team, if everyone remembers or you may all be too young. Joe definitely remembers the A-team. <laughs> Adam remembers the A-team. But you sort of come in, you join a team. It's super intense to deliver. That's what we all do events, and that's why we do events. And then, of course, we leave as the host. We leave the team, and then we're on to the next team. And and that's, you know, that's – it's lovely. That's why we do it. But it's a big, you know, emotional roller coaster. So let's talk a little bit about – virtual events then because we you know the last 12 to 18 months I, I forget now how long we've been doing this and um, the explosion of virtual events has obviously there's just been an explosion and now everybody's hosting a virtual event right so do you think it's more important that somebody that a, an organizer of an event brings somebody in to host those virtually because we've all been doing I'm going to be quite problematic for you I'm going to be quite controversial everybody's been on zoom calls it's like here's the next speaker off you go like it's not that big a deal is it Sam like anybody can do it right it's what you want to call it isn't it I don't know um I've written a blog recently that got a little bit of traction because you know when we've been delivering in-person events all through the years yeah I'm, I'm still saying you know let's not look at these through rose-tinted glasses guys we weren't as a as an industry we weren't hosting and we weren't sorry we weren't planning great meetings we had engagement issues we were losing sponsors we were losing exhibitors you know the world was evolving albeit much much slower than the pandemic has <clears throat> has brought us yeah um i think the frustration is is immediately after the pandemic people recognized the need to to bring you know an audience together that need for human connection and you know let's not knock zoom for what it's done for um a for us to have these conversations about where the industry and where events should be going but also let's be honest from a personal point of view how many people on here haven't benefited you know socially or professionally from zoom i mean i you know hands up if you haven't i can't see many hands up so um <laughs> some virtual, have to say, virtual. hands up <laughs> yeah. guys in the comments if you are if, if you feel like sam yeah if you if you disagree but we have to recognise there has to there has been an evolution. There has to be further innovation, and I think that's where you define a call. You just called it a Zoom call. That's mm. it, a Zoom call mm. or a Zoom meeting versus an event. And and when we talk and we do a lot of coaching with uh, speakers as as part of what we do, we try and uh, put that at the very beginning. This is not another Zoom call. This is a broadcast. This is an experience. This is something that your participants should and are paying for so we have to treat it completely differently we didn't but i i don't think there's an excuse 12 months later no i think i think everybody's been figuring it out that first point but the virtual event that you put on for your organization or for your for your association or whoever how the people that interact with that and the people that represent you on that are a direct reflection of you and your brand right so if you come to it from a professional point of view, if you come forward with somebody like yourself who's hosting and moderating, for me personally, that just elevates the quality of it. Whether you're using Zoom or not, whatever platform you're using, the event design piece is is critical to how people will feel about your event walking away from it, right? Rather than somebody like me fumbling through it, kind of introducing the next person and kind of trying to get through it, you'll bring a, a level of, I guess, what's the word, added value to that event, right? Yeah, it's added value. It's 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 linking, and I, I love the fact that we've got somebody saying the only differentiator is the, ho you know, a good You're digital host. And <laughs> I already picked it up because I know I'm good at what I do, but a great speaker or a great host. And I would absolutely agree. And 
it's a make or break. And, you know, I, I say in this blog post, there's no such thing, as, you know, when people say, well, I was digitally fatigued. I totally disagree with that. I think we're just all bored of crap digital meetings, if I'm allowed to say that. I think, you know, we're bored of not having people design these meetings with us as participants in their brains, in their minds. You know, we've got to sit there and spend a bit more time, you know, understanding time zones, what our audience are doing, who those audience are, what they're hearing, what they're seeing, what they're thinking. And and if you go through sort of the, the design process, the design method, me, methodology, methodology, it's difficult yep. to say at 5.30 UK time, um, you know, that's a process. Whereas I feel like, a, you know, in the last year, we've got a lot of people saying, we've got to do something, let's do it now. Or you can put a Zoom meeting on really quickly. So we must be able to put an online event on. Now, you wouldn't do that in practice in-person events. You know, you wouldn't say to someone, uh, you know, a meeting owner, and you'd certainly push back as you, the organiser, if someone said to you, right, Adam, I want you to put together uh, an event, a conference, a two-day conference for two and a half thousand delegates, and I'd like you to do it in three weeks' time. And I want you to do everything from design to completion. You just, you just wouldn't do it. You'd just say, well, that's impossible. Well, I would also argue that's impossible to do that digitally. If you're going to do something well and you're going to take two and a half thousand delegates, of which that's a huge amount of time and a huge amount of investment that they're giving you, you've got to give it that time to plan and prepare properly. Well, that also, I guess, nicely segues into some of that extra value, though, bringing you in is when somebody maybe does have that task and and the event organizer title goes to many different people in an organization, right? Um bringing somebody like yourself in with that level of experience and confidence can add so much value to adv- advising on how to piece this event together right um so if they are the designated event organizer never done a virtual event before let's bring sam in and let's have her as part of the team guiding us along the way bouncing ideas off what do you think about this what do you think about- i bet you probably get nine times out of ten involved in the design of the actual event right even though you're just the host well, don't just say I'm just the host. Sorry, sorry. I mean, that's, that's, that's just, just oh, that, hashtag that. rude. With Adam is rude there. We'll end the broadcast there. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's something that if we can get across today and I can say to everybody, uh, to you guys who are watching, I think, you know, any good host worth their salt. I mean, I am, I add a little bit more because I do spend a lot of time designing meetings and events with my clients. So that is a another skill set that I bring sort of independently. But we host events and we have been since, I mean, you know, I was doing a little bit of this before pandemic, but not a huge amount as you can appreciate. But since the pandemic, since lockdown, bar the first few weeks where, you know, I was just watching my business die. I lost every, obviously every event, like we all have experienced that dreadful time. And whilst a lot of people were saying they were taking on Ashtanga yoga and learning you know, every word of the Bible, I was just drinking gin and eating chocolate and feeling very sorry for myself because my world had disappeared. And I, I really didn't know whether this would work online. And, and, you know, great design makes great meetings wherever they're hosted. So I think that's something that you really need to think about. And as a host, since then, I've been pretty much doing this every week of the last 50 weeks, as are my other, you know, associates and and other moderators and hosts out there. So we've seen, trust me, we've seen the really good. We've seen the bad and we have seen the ugly. And we can bring that experience that if you're only, you know, organizing your first or your second event, you may, you know, certainly with your first event, you just haven't got that. You just haven't got that experience and know how. So, Mm. you know, use us, take this stuff out of our brain because we're better to be able to talk about what the risks are. And that's what we do in, in event management in event organizing and planning. And we can sort of, you know, mitigate those by the experience that we've, we've had with, whether it be, you know, technology issues, platform, content, speakers, whatever it might be. So, yes, I would say, why wouldn't you? I mean, if you're bringing a host on, you might as well bring them on as early as you can. That will also help us in terms of really getting under the skin of your event objectives, meeting and and understanding your stakeholders. And I think if if any of my clients are uh, online with us, they'll vouch for that. You know, that will also make a better experience. We don't have the benefit of tons of researchers like Graham Norton or, or you know, uh, 
Jay Leno would have, you know, they, you know, they collate all this information that he gets or whoever it might be. Um, so, you know, we're quite happy to spend that time with our organization to make sure that we can help uh, deliver spectacular end results. So point one, get your professional MC and host in early. One of the first things that you book as part of the event. And that's just going to make the whole process and experience much, much better. When you when you book, you know, you know, this is an event organizer. You know, uh, an MC is is part of the production team. Mm. You know, I work and we work really closely with the production, the prod squad, as Zoe Paul calls them, the prod squad. We're the the the, the mouthpiece, the front of that team. So the sooner we work with with your production team, whether that's in house or whether that's an external partner the better the event will be because we're all working in tandem the event production company will be bringing in their expertise and you know we we sit you know like hand and glove yeah there's some other key things i know we discussed prior to to kind of running this um live podcast we discussed or we ranted about Uh, yeah probably the latter to be honest with you but i think i think there's some key things that people don't think about when it comes to a role like yours and I, I want to kind of fire some questions at you because I know you've got some answers to some some help some tips and if nothing else to show the value of having somebody like yourself in place as part of that virtual event what does a host do if they lose a speaker like because that happens right virtually all the time someone's camera goes off their mic doesn't you see them fumbling about going oh I, don't, uh, I think the internet's still a bit dodgy like what would you do in that situation or what advice can you offer to others that might not be given a budget to get a host, but like literally desperately need to know this stuff? Well, first of all, test. I mean, this all comes back to, you know, uh, planning and preparation and time to do it. Test, 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 test again with your speakers. Everything that we can tick off and, and mitigate before we're online is critical. And that really does mean getting a bit more pushy with these speakers. Um, the amount of, if I had, you know, uh, 10 pounds or 10 euros or $10 for every time we've tested a speaker and then we've got them for live and they're in a different place. Yeah. We need to be testing them exactly the same time as they're broadcasting because as we know, as much as we ask people, just go buy yourself an ethernet cable or just you know send them out, somebody sponsor them. We know that our speakers may may not have that um, connection and there may be connect, you know, connectivity is our biggest challenge, um, as we all know. So I think that, you know, try and do as much of that as we can before. I think it's also good to bring the host in in terms of that that point or at some point before and not saying having a full rehearsal with your, your speakers. But again, I'm looking at the camera. You're looking at the camera. We're well versed and very comfortable about doing that. Most people see this machine as a laptop. Yep. So we'll be doing this and we'll be talking like that. And I understand that, but we can change that. We can elevate the experience, you know, make people stand up, give them that energy. So I think that's really important. I think you've got to be in sync with your organizer and your production team about how and what you're going to do if that happens. Now, if you've got a panel, it's fine. But again, you want to have this pre-briefing and explain to the, the panelists, it's it's communicating with all the stakeholders, with your speakers and saying, right, if you come off, if we lose you, this is the steps we're going to take. Mm. As a host, I would come on at the call of production because quite often, and you'll, you'll probably know this from some of the events you've been on, it's a very, very quick, you know, we lose them, we can get them back on. Um, we have to make that decision before whether you want the host to come on. We've had situations in the past where we've had to pull out a speaker just because the connectivity has just been pretty poor. So, you know, we might be having a two-way conversation like this and then, you know, push your host back in. Um, but my recommendation is to have that contingency plan for each sector of your uh, your event. What do we do in this scenario? You may have not, you know, not the need of the host. You may have a, a, a moderator that's there or somebody else that might come in as a, as, as a backup, as a second, so to speak, but it's just a consideration to have. As a host, we'll always be there. I won't be off, you know, if I, again, it's the communication, if I need to go grab a drink and leave the studio, then mm. I'll do that when it's appropriate. But then you can't cover all bases. We had a pre-record. Um, so same thing about losing a speaker. We had a pre-record. It's the safest way of doing this. And as a moderator, as a host, once someone's pressed play on the video, I'm, I can sit and just 
relax and eat chocolate or whatever it might be, my snack or my treats. And we lost the video. I mean, it doesn't happen. I mean, it really doesn't happen very often, but we just lost the video. And then suddenly I've got a message on WhatsApp saying, you're on in 10. And so you just have to be prepared. And that's, you can't, you can't do that without having the experience. You know, you'd never know that I have to jump in and start talking about plasma um, because that's what you do. You know, and you've got the skills as a professional host to be that filler, to understand at the same time being completely interested in the audience and, and whatever's going on on screen. But at the same time, seeing the WhatsApp messages, if it's if it's that sort of production or having somebody in your ear saying, Sam, we can't call them back. So this is what we're going to do. And and that only comes from, you know, from experience. It's the same as you may enjoy flying, but you can't fly the plane. You know, it's, it's the same sort of thing. There's, there's so many important points there. I think I can honestly see events going, especially ones that have virtual and hybrid elements. This now being part of, we, we've discussed it internally. Should we ask certain technical questions as part of the process of selecting a speaker? Do you have a hardwired internet connection? Do you have any form of lighting? Do you have a microphone? Because all of those now go into not only knowing that there's some level of experience there in that person actually delivering a, a session in this way, because not yeah. everybody has, but also some knowledge in their, ex they've probably experienced a few things going wrong themselves and they see the value of upping the quality, which ultimately helps you. There's nothing worse is that having an, a, a virtual event where somebody looks like a shadow and it looks like they're in the toilet and there's echo and, you know, there's all these kinds of things. I mean, let's be honest, we're all working from home and I've got a little son in the background. I'm sure he's going to kick off at some point and we'll probably all hear that. But at we can all accept that. I think what I can't accept at this moment in time is uh, somebody coming. It would be like almost a speaker coming in board shorts and a vest to a professional conference and accepting that's just, you know, that's a given. It's it's fine because I'm here to speak. Um, Matt Coyne, if you're watching this, by the way, that was you I'm talking about. Um <laughs> Uh, and, and I think there's some other interesting things that you said there as well about like what happens in the moment. Like it surprises me how many event organizers still don't have a technical issues holding slide in the deck. Yeah, I mean that's that's it's it's a it's a just extremely simple. Uh, most of the production companies I work with, I mean, no, all of them have been awesome. So I'm going to say that if if they're joining us now, but again, that's why what you cover off as part of the process. You know, you do this again. This isn't. This is just different. We've got to keep on remembering. This is just a different venue. What would we yeah. do, and how do we how do we do it in person? And again, that whole thing. I know that we we discuss standing versus perching. I'm I'm perching at the moment, as you know. It's been a bit of a busy day, but you know. If we just do one thing, please, can everybody get their speakers to stand wet? What happened? If we did that, we would elevate this digital experience exponentially. Just that one thing. Get. We don't, apart from on a panel, when we have people on stage sitting down, and I still quite like them perched. I think it's more, you know, physically energetic, which is always good for, for delivering content. But, you know, when have you seen just, unless you're physically enabled or unless it's part of a show, how often do you see a keynote sitting down in a T-shirt or shorts, as you said, you know, and it, it beggars belief that we're still a year on accepting that. And I think as event industry professionals, I think we know better. We do. Yeah. We've been doing this. We've been planning this. And it's also very easy if people are broadcasting at home and they come online before the session, you can see what they're wearing. And I have had experience where our wonderful event manager has told them to go and get changed because you know this is an event we wouldn't you know again you wouldn't be faceless you wouldn't be not well lit at a conference but it's a case of what as you said what's that checklist and what are your boundaries and what do you do to respect those participants who are paying to to see this content yeah and like you said even if they don't have it then it's your responsibility as an organizer to send this kit out Amazon has it dirt cheap. You don't even have to get it delivered to your place. You can just get it delivered direct to the speaker. There are great, great professional industry companies that support this and send speaker packs out on, on return. Yeah. They they can even sustainably be sent from one speaker to the next speaker without having to come back internally all, all the time. So it, there are, there is no excuse now with how 
good the infrastructure and how cheap this equipment is, both direct or through a supplier that can be handled, that you should be able to get 90% of your speakers up there with, with good quality lighting and audio and stuff. And stick it, you know, you know what, just stick this in the budget. You're not paying for speaker accommodation. And I'm a real firm believer, and I know we'll talk about the future, about, you know, bringing awesome content without having to fly someone, you know, three quarters of the way around the world for one day. You know, put this into the budget because it's a flipping load cheaper than, a, an, a, you know, a business class ticket from, you know, London to Sydney, Sending, and again, I know we've got issues at the moment with the B word now, not the C word, um, with Brexit. But, you know, again, with the time, what, what does that look like? But as you said, I spoke to a colleague uh, today about this. It costs, you know, it costs less than 20 euros, 20 pounds, 20 dollars for an Ethernet cable. You can buy a ring light, uh, super cheap, um, and it can be really, you know, I wouldn't go to the super cheap, I'd, I'd, you know, but you can get one and it's decent. And I think that, you know, whatever content you're delivering, even if it is um, a meeting as opposed to an event, shouldn't you be able to be in the best position so that people can see you and they can hear you? And that's really what we want from our content, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, Rachel here, she's, you know, interestingly, swap card on an event, VIP, sent her impressive, impressive tip for a 30-minute presentation. Um, I watched that content. It looked fantastic. Um, so, you know, people are doing it. Um, Sam, out of interest, what, what, yes. do you, what do you use as your, let's, let's talk tech, let's talk some kit. What do you use to? Well, annoyingly, I, do, I don't have my um, play camera on because I'm, I'm setting up for an event in here. Otherwise, I'd take you on the tour of this very, very minimal studio space <laughs> that I have. So um, I have um, an HD camera, and again, you you don't need to spend huge amounts of money because we've got to remember, even though I'm in an office studio, so this is purpose-built for, for, for what I do, this isn't a treated studio. This isn't production with an MCR. You know, we don't have that here. So you can only be as good as the space you are. I filled it with furniture to try and make sure that the sound is, is absorbed so it feels a bit more inclusive. Yep. So I have um, a great microphone, a Blue Yeti microphone, I think, uh, for, for everything I do. If you can't see me, it's really irrelevant, but it, you need to hear me and I need yep. to be very clear. Uh, I work with global audiences. Um, I need to uh, give you housekeeping. I need to tell you and support you with how you can get the best out of a platform, how you can engage. So I think sound is probably for, for someone in my role really Super important, so really good microphone. Um, I have uh, AirPods uh, yeah. so that I can have people talking to me in my ears, and it also completely zones out from any other noise that I've got, so I'm really just focused in on all the content here. I have some professional lighting and a green screen uh, for any conferences that use them, um, and it's actually set up just you can't see it. And the, obviously the window, the window to the beach. <laughs> Something interesting. I, I need to sort this out because I've had like a white cupboard for the last year. Um, I'm, I'm slowly getting there. I'm decide, trying to decide what to have. Might have some of my art and stuff going in the background. But you, you're right. Not to anybody watching. I'm sure people watching this are probably in in it and already have some kind of this equipment. But you can get set up for, for very cost effectively, can't you? And and you'd be surprised how. I'd be, I think people are surprised how much little money you actually need to be in to get such a yeah. big gig. It's actually when you start going up from, I don't know, let's say I've got here a Logitech C920, yeah. 1080p yeah. camera, fantastic, yeah. maybe a couple hundred dollars. When you start jumping up to, let's say, a Sony or a Canon or something like that, markably different, but you have to invest huge amounts more money to get diminishing returns, I feel sometimes you can, you know, the higher the spec that you go, it gets just marginally, marginally better. And in this environment, it probably doesn't translate. It's not. No, a, you need to studio. then shift into, you know, into a studio. You need to go where there's a multi-control room, where there's, you know, really, you know, reliable fiber, where the lighting, where, where the room is treated for sound, you know, you know studio stroke venue. Um, I think, you know, for speakers, if you're okay with speakers being at home and that's the situation they're in, then reliable connectivity 
And, mm. you know, the, if I could, again, I'd be a, a rich lady if I bet on this, you know, when people say, well, I've got, I've, I've got really high speed Wi-Fi. Great. That is really great. But without that Ethernet cable, it's it can be inconsistent depending on the time of the day. You know, it's just so simple. And I, I really say, you know, get people to stand, get them connected to the Wi-Fi and get them able to hear. So whether that, you know, I know people think the headsets are a bit, you know, gamey. They sound good. They, they really do. They they work. So if you you know if you're not you know you're not going to be spending the cash on a blue yeti for every single one of your speakers, just make sure that we can hear them. I think that's probably you know the best tip we can say around those things. Unless blue yeti is watching and listening, and then all sponsorship inquiries, hello at eventtechlive.com. Interesting, <laughs> interesting question here yeah. from Rachel because green Great screens are, green screens are a bit controversial. Some people love them, other people detest them. What's so I would really like everybody to throw out so I can see the debate and discussion because I'm not seeing this. So, Rachel, I think that's a brilliant question. And, you know, one of the things that you really need to understand is what your platform is, because I have had an experience where a speaker has assumed he can have a Zoom virtual background. We've gone to record. We were pre-recording, but we were still recording his session and he only learned then that we couldn't use a green screen with the technology we were using. And it was awkward because there was underwear on a, a door frame and he was dressed to here. <laughs> and it was just a moment that no one wants to have with someone you don't know that you're just about to do a 45 minute w uh, interview with. So I think you need to be really transparent on that. Rachel, green screen. I'm using a green screen. You've got to have a really good lighting you need to be lighting not just uh yourself you need to be lighting your background so again to make this really effective um white backgrounds white virtual backgrounds are bad please don't use them especially if you've got blonde hosts because then we just disappear no matter what we put behind us and behind our cameras darker um darker colors work quite well if you're going to use them but then you've got to have the consistency. I've seen it and it's a horror show for me from a participant point of view where we have one person that actually has all the kit and looks great and the branding is there. Then somebody else has got a green screen of, you know, whatever it might be behind them. I'm just a fan of keeping just a clean white background. Don't, you know, it doesn't have to be the, you know, the bookshelf or the, the beach scene. Um, I think you have to have the consistency and you need to test that. And I, I've yet to see you know, an entirely consistent usage of, of green screen because people don't have, you know, virtual backgrounds because people don't have all the necessary stuff to make it work. They were fun. I mean, let's be honest, there's nothing nice. I almost did that today and just said, oh, I'm in the pub because we can almost get into the pub. But I think that in terms of, you know, the level of professionalism that we, we, we should be reaching for our events, I think that's a question we should all ask ourselves. Is that professional? Is that good enough? Yeah, uh, my my own opinion, and I, I have a green screen. Lighting is super super key um, because if you don't have it well lit, then that's when you get the the edges, the cutouts, the graininess, the pass through, and stuff. Fun, <laughs> yeah. Fun top tip: if you are using a green screen and you are sat down on a chair, put a light on the back of your chair because that will actually get rid of the shadow of the chair, and that makes it work better. My only opinion on green screens in a studio environment where it's a controlled environment and there's loads of lighting and it's a huge green screen and you want to do something dramatic yeah. with that, then that's fine. That's home, a brilliant way because that's big production and you can do some great stuff on that. That's, you know, but then also please make sure that your speakers and nobody's wearing green. Yeah, true. Um, like me today, that wouldn't that wouldn't work. Very that well. would be, and <laughs> people need to remember that whole thing around if you're using stuff. And I can remember this very early days. I'm really happy to post some very dodgy pictures of my setup at the very beginning. But we were sort of trying to sort of, uh, teleport awards, and it was a really fun idea. But then somebody had a green screen, a virtual background without the green screen. So then you hold it up, and it disappears. <laughs> so. Be really conscious about what you're doing and, and testing, testing, testing again. Test that yeah. out. I think what I saw most people do them for is the kind of this stuff that we have down here, like branding opportunities, yes. right? You can do that in so many other ways now. Overlays, backgrounds, you know. And, and, and again, if you've got an AV company, they should know all of this. They should, should be able to say, 
here's our yeah. templates work with us and you can get all of those um we've got the worst thing you can have as a speaker sorry i'll shut up about the, the virtual rachel you've got me you've got me on a blooming roll about this the worst thing is is if it's a bad virtual background or it's a bad background of any type it's distraction and that's a real disappointment because we are paying to listen to, or we, we, we're showing up to listen and, and, and have this content and you don't want anything distracting you. Talking about people shutting up, that brings me on to my next question. How do we, how do you gently stop somebody that won't stop speaking? Because this is a, you know, virtual events even more so have to run to schedules, right, don't they? And it can be a really hard, you know, it could be it could be excellent content. We might, you know, the organizer might desperately not want to stop that person or interrupt them, or maybe they are the keynote. But in a professional environment, we still need to keep things rocking and rolling, don't we? So what's your advice there? Ooh, well, my first question is to everybody, do we? Because I feel that we are trying to constrict ourselves to time in an environment where if we've done this with the right communication, if the content is good, I'm sick of hearing incredible content and getting 10 minutes of it. Mm. Is anyone else with me? You know, yeah, we've got a 10 minute keynote. Why? It's about the design. It's about how that keynote is interacting with your audience. And, you know, we can all sit there, you know, binge watching three, four, five hours of TV, we're consuming that. Something's drawing us to it. Now, how do we relay that and bring that into our design? I, for one, if I'm engaged, I want to hear, I want to learn more. And there's nothing more frustrating. And I'll tell you this from a participant feedback point of view. I've seen that time and time again. There wasn't enough time. Or we have a keynote and we have three minutes for a question for questions. It's like you've got an audience of 200 people. Mm. We're back to we're back to what we were doing before. You know, we can ask one question and we've got some great tools with upvoting, but, you know, we're not constrained by venues closing us down at 6 p.m. because we're not paying the overnight fee or whatever it might be. We can design these. We have the other considerations of things like time zoning, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, do we need to have that? That's my one point. Number two, when you're working with great production companies, as we keep on saying, it's all about bringing the right partners to this. And there's some really great software um, that can actually help speakers. I know for one, I mean, I get super excited when I'm, you know, delivering the tiny little links that I'm doing. But, you know, again, with experience, I, you know, I can do them very, very quickly because I'm saying different content, but the same things really for each sort of conference in terms of links. I think it's really hard for a speaker when you're looking here to try and see where everything's going. So I think you need to be really, really clear before the speaker starts. And I think you need to have that general understanding that we, you know, if we go over, we've got to do this. And then uh, virtually bring me on. Um, I, I think it's sort of been that thing that a speaker will know. And it's the same thing. And I've had to do this on stage. It was the most horrific thing. I literally just had to grab a professor off the stage. It was... <laughs> I'm tormented by this still because he wouldn't, he was, he just, he'd, he'd seen all the cues. He'd acknowledged all the cues which he carried on talking. And I, I then stood up onto the stage and that's a really good tip for anyone doing this in person so that your presence is there. And most people then sort of go, Oh gosh, there she is. I better stop. He didn't. So I lit, I just had to go on uh, clapping and just stopping him talking and, you know, you need someone with a massive, great, big, annoying smile like this. And just it was just a horrible experience. But I got him off. It's actually easier when you can push a host on because you're talking. And the second that you can see that change, yeah. you don't need to say anything. You just bring me on. And then they'll, ah, yes. And so and then if they don't at that point, I can then interrupt. That's my job. You know, and again, I can do that because you're you're paying me to do that. That's very difficult for, you know, if it's one of your big donors or big you know sponsors and then you as the md have got to go can you shut up bob yep i can do that i don't mind shutting bob up all those award acceptance speeches those are the ones that you've got to watch uh, got to th uh, what got to watch because they thank the dog the man the uncle the aunties and everybody <laughs> do you know do do, do a pre-record on those or don't do that i mean the great thing is you can change change it up in the design for virtual awards but and also build that in. You know, if you know, if you if you know, and you've got under the core of that. The other thing is, is you can have that conversation. If there's a ton of engagement about that content, why stop it? Yeah. You know, bring on your host. You can say, you know, let's have a, you know, whatever it might be, a, a click of a hands up or say yes in the chat. If 
do you want us to carry this on? You must respect the audience and, and what they're doing. But quite often, you know, that's that's been an experience of, of ours that, you know, we'll go back to the audience and say, you know, do you want to carry this on with extra five minutes or whatever it might be? So I would be more fluid about our boundaries of time, but don't be afraid of, of pushing your host on. Yeah, I think what I'd like to see as well, and I think this is one of the maybe the things we will see over time is, people just coming out of the shackles of the presentation Q&A, presentation Q&A. Like, mm. I think some of the most interesting sessions are literally just Q&A sessions. Like, yeah. let's bring somebody, let's bring that keynote on. Because to be fair, everybody just wants to dig into their mind anyway. They want to they wanna go, oh, you said this in your last event, or there was this article about you, or what do you think yeah. of this on stem cell research? Um, that's quite jarring for some presenters because they need that crutch of, well, this is my presentation. This is what I speak about, and and you know, having to answer questions in the moment in the phrase is is a skill in itself. But they're so interesting when you actually have a good Q and A session. But if you've got a professional who knows how to interview, and again, I was trained in this, um, we can bring the best out of you know. You can have a lot of people who are going to resist this change. You've been doing it, you know, the way they've been doing it for a really long time. And so, you know, we can't expect everybody to suddenly go, yeah, let's do our my 45 minutes is conversation and input. And whilst we'd love them to, you know, that's you know, we're already asking them to deliver in a really strange environment. They've got no audience behind them. You know, puppy steps, you know, Adam, you know, as much as we are, things that we can do is, you know, have the faith in a professional interviewer that can pull out the best mm. in those people, give them the time to work with that speaker with that content another thing that I, I don't know if you've seen works quite well is having sort of you know a meet the speaker session after so that they're not feeling like they're performing and you can get into a face-to-face -face room and have a round table and and ask those questions so there's just there's a variety of little ways of doing it but it does it does rely on you know your speaker that you're working with and, and how comfortable they are yeah very true I have I'm, I'm conscious of time I've just spoken about time, fully enough. Good grief. Yeah, look at the time. What is, as a host, what are, what, are, what, are, what are some of the things that you're really looking forward to seeing out of virtual events? Because I think there is, it's not, I don't think, I know, by quite a lot of the industry, there is some resistance to carrying on virtual post-pandemic. Um, there's a desire by everybody, me included, to get back to physical. But interestingly, there was a recent LinkedIn article that said that all 45% of all future B2B events will be yeah. virtual. So there is an explosion coming of virtual events, according to their research. What's some of the things that excites you? Because I know you're passionate about sustainability, about well-being, which also comes into like staying away from home, traveling, all that kind of stuff. But what's some of the things that you really looking forward to as part of the virtual event scene? So yeah, sustainability inclusivity and diversity if I just pick three really important factors I'm not I'm in the same you know what I am seriously needing to hug people 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 who know me know I'm I'm a hugger you know me I'm a hugger I want to do that I want that physical experience I want to be with the team you know it's like we're talking about Joe saying that dopamine hit you know High-fiving myself at the end of a conference is pretty depressing, right? And now the pubs are open. At least I can go and sit outside a pub. But, um, you know, we cannot uh, take away the fact that we have a climate crisis. We know this. And event organisers, this is a tough job. And we are really going to start going, you know, we think the pandemic has, has caused some innovation. You know, real innovation starts now. We are going to have travel restrictions due to sustainability. And we should... But that leads to inclusivity and diversity. So those who can, that can do it sustainably, that you're managing that experience and, you know, that delivers on your, your carbon targets. That's great. But we're opening up this whole new world that, you know, first of all, we're bringing people to our events who maybe have never been before, couldn't come before for a whole plethora of reasons. So we are suddenly turning all our organisations into hugely more inclusive organisations. We're spreading our message, whether that's increasing membership, increasing sales, whatever it might be, to a much, much wider audience. We can hold that legacy. We can keep that stuff. We don't have to have people arriving today at, you know, five to six or five to ten or whatever it might be. They can come back. They can consume this stuff. We didn't do video on demand, content on demand. 
So really exciting there. And I suppose for me, my passion is diversity. You know, we can really draw on the virtual world. We may not be able to get those speakers because we can't fly them, we can't afford to, we shouldn't be, whatever it might be. We open up for our participants to become more diverse, our content to become more rich and diverse. I think the opportunity is there. How we do it and how we deliver it this year is going to be the, the trial and test. And I'm having some fun with clients right now about that. And I look forward to us doing this again in in six, nine months time when we can sort of you know, com- communicate some, some war stories and some great successes. But I think, please, you know, yes, let's get back into meeting in person. We, you know, we can do, people are always saying about networking. You know, what we're missing is socializing. It's not networking. We can network online. We can do that. We've been doing this, you know, LinkedIn, Tinder, shall we carry on? Uh, Facebook, we've been networking online. What we don't do is socializing well because, you know, we're human people. We want to touch. We want to taste and feel. So, yeah, I say it's an exciting time, but, uh, you know, keep looking at the, how we can evolve the virtual with the in-person. I think that's such a key word, evolve, evolution of events, right? You know, it's, if you look back at the original exhibition and trade show, they don't look too dissimilar to what we had today. <laughs> the industry has arguably gone through its biggest transformation in its history over the last 12 months. And I think as an industry, we should embrace that change and look at the tools and the technology and the formats that we can use to bring more people to our events, more investment to events, uh, because the more virtual events that happen, generally the more, I think the more physical events will happen, the more our industry will boom, the more talent it'll attract, it'll just make everybody's business, jobs, livelihood a lot, lot better. And I think in the, in the sphere of marketing, events have been kind of left out on the on the left field a little bit. And I think now with virtual, funny enough, they're being brought into that digital kind of marketing sphere of, ooh, this might make sense for us in terms of, yeah, absolutely. I have one final question for you, Sam. Okay. This is a, this is the one thing I, I'm going to introduce now for all my speakers. Okay. So everybody, listen, everybody listening today, I do apologize for my little son in the background. But it's oh, don't apologize. Fun. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's nearly, it's nearly bath time here in the UK. I'm I'm only gonna I'm gonna hit him where it don't show, so it's fine. Um, not not real, not serious. Um, <laughs> everybody's got a bucket list, I believe. Okay. What's on your bucket list for this year? And it can literally be going to the pub, to be fair, if you want. But if, what's on your bucket list? Is there anything that you share with with the audience? Oh gosh, that's a really really good question. Bucket list of 2021. Mm. Well, I suppose very first thing is to hug my family harder than uh, you can possibly imagine. I, I said offline, I sadly lost my dad in January. I don't get to do that now. But everyone else, look out because I'm coming at you for a hug. Um, I hope to buy a house this year um, and really evolve. And my last bucket list is I really, really just want to go and be able to enjoy um, life with family, friends, uh, laugh. Uh, cry, do all of those things. But yeah, my bucket, my, it's a bit sad of a bucket list, really. But yeah, the, the house is something, you know, you, you change your attitude in lockdown. I'm sure all of us have, have had different sort of life experiences. And and certainly for me, one of the, the things I like about this is that, you know, I've had a real sense of the value of home. And my, as much as I love traveling, and I'm sure we'll be doing lots of it, I value home a lot more now and and spending time with my my family and friends. So having a having a home, having a base will be my bucket list this year. I think they're perfect bucket list things considering everything. It's it shows where real value is, right? So Sam. Yeah, thank you for sharing with me and my audience and whoever's watching your top tips for, you know, emceeing and having a host event. I think they're really, really important. And I think something that every organizer and organization should consider as part of their their events we see huge value in our host james and probably would never do the event without him if in all honesty because it would be a totally different animal a totally different kettle of fish but if anybody wants to follow up with you reach out with you where's the best place to go 
I am always when I'm not hosting a conference, um, you know, which you'll, you'll get you won't get a response from me because obviously I'm focused on doing the conference. But, yeah, I'm always happy. Please, you know, there's no obligation. I love making you know events a great success. And if I can help anyone just with a 20 minute call of a Zoom offie, as I've called them, I think I think I branded that. Zoom offy. Uh, you can reach me at Sam at Sam Allen, and everyone knows I spell my name stupidly. I'm the only S A M M E, Sammy Allen. Uh, com. Find me on LinkedIn. Um, tap up Al, uh, Adam for my mobile number. So you'll find me on social at Sam Allen. Um, but yeah, just if you just want to say, you know, does this work, Sam? Does that work? I'm really happy because I'd rather you have happy, you know, successful meetings because then we just make a bigger more successful industry and there's more work for us all but thank you for listening thank you for having me hope hope it was useful it was brilliant everyone that's the end of this episode we'll see you in the next one please do check out sam and connect up with her after the show